0: And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. Our producer today, Mr. Sean Floyd. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listen to talk shows throughout the country. 287 affiliates strong. It still seems a little unreal to me, but it's true, thanks to all of you in the listening audience. So today's a big day because it's the first day I've been back in our actual flagship studios at Intercom. Now Intercom is on City, but it's, this is where we've been for 12 years. And it's a real thrill to be sitting back here in this studio with Sean Floyd as our producer. Uh, and our guests in studio with us today, one joining by phone, the other uh, guest in studio. It's just wonderful to be back in the studio here at Intercom on City Day. It's been a long time coming, so we're pretty happy about that. A couple of other announcements. We're going to be changing the name of the show. So my managers, the people that kind of run this whole thing, um, have come to the conclusion that we need to rebrand the show The Carrie Hall Show. It'll still be America's healthcare advocate, but we're changing the name. We've got new logos, new websites, and all that stuff coming. So I'll be talking about that more as we go through. But we are going to be rebranding it as the Carrie Hall Show. Uh, They they feel since we've grown the size we are now that that's an appropriate change. So. That's what we're going to do because I'm listening to – I'm doing what they're basically telling me we need to do. So if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can do that. It's America's Healthcare Advocate. That's the Facebook page. There's a lot of information up there. We post shows up there, podcasts up there, videos, et cetera. Um, podcasts are on TuneIn, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spreaker. All these shows are posted on those podcast Platforms. So if you want to hear a show or tell somebody about it, hear it again, or you want to advise somebody to listen to it, go up on the podcast platforms. You can do it there. It's also on our website, America's Healthcare com, and you can send me an email from there. If you have questions or something you would like me to talk about, um, I get emails from people all over the country all the time. I'm more than happy to respond um, and help in any way that I can. So additionally, if you are looking for health insurance, you need help with health insurance, whether it's Medicare or whether it's individual health insurance, the lovely Joyce Thompson uh, over at RPS Benefits by Design will be happy to help you. And if you are looking for group health insurance, employer-sponsored health care, Susan Dendiger is an expert. I just had a caller call in from California, and she is writing them a policy. And Actually, they're moving to Montana, Whitefish, Montana, to be exact. So if she could write a policy in Whitefish, she could probably write it anywhere. So anyway, the number, toll-free, 877-385-2224, 877-385-2224, for the good folks at RPS Benefits by Design. All right, joining me back in studio today is Dan Malin and Mary Pikush, and they are here from Payer Compass. Now, they've been on the air with me before. And I've asked him to come back in studio, and the reason I did that was there was an article on the front page of the Wall Street Journal on July 7th of this year. The article is titled, Hospitals Often Bill Uninsured Patients at the Highest Prices. I'm going to repeat that. Hospitals often bill uninsured patients at the highest prices. And then it goes on to give some specific examples of how this is happening. Before I get into that, though, I want to explain to you why I think it's important for the audience to understand this issue on pricing. We hear a lot about the fact that we spend 18 percent of our GDP on health care in this country. And usually the reason that's given for that is the insurance companies are gouging people and they're making too much money. That's not true. OK, I'm not an apologist for the insurance industry when it's time to take them to task. I'm more than willing to do that. But you need to understand the facts and not the fiction surrounding this issue. The problem with health care in this country is what's being charged by the providers. And The Wall Street Journal, to its enormous credit, has done a series of articles on this issue, exposing these costs that, that are astronomical in the way they range between one hospital to another and and how out of line they are with what the Medicare charges are, or Medicare norms. So that what we're trying to do today is illustrate to you what this issue is. The other thing that I want everybody to understand, and that is that on January 1st, this all changes. This transparency has been the issue with hospitals, and they have fought like hell to prevent it from happening. But to President Biden's credit, he followed on with what President Trump had put in place – forcing this issue of transparency to come into play. And now on January 1st, all the hospitals are going to have to comply with transparency. We'll see how well they do. There have already been some games played. I've talked about this on some of the other broadcasts, but nonetheless, it's going to happen. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about pricing structure with the people from Payer Compass. We're also going to talk about some things like surprise billing and how that's about to change. So first of all, welcome, Dan.
1: Thank you very much, Glad to Great, to be, Great welcome, to be back. Welcome, Mary.
0: Glad to have you on board. Hey,
2: thank you.
0: And you're yeah, joining – where are you here. calling in from today? I forgot.
2: I'm working in St. Petersburg, Florida today uh, from our Pier Compass office down in Florida.
0: All right. That's what I thought. So we wanted, you were just in Florida. So right. I was there yesterday. Oh, great to have everybody back, and great to have you guys on the air with us today. So I'm going to start out by giving some examples on this uh of of this particular article, and what and and then we'll get into the actual topic in terms what in in terms of what's really going on here. So this is this is regarding uh, a series of different people that saw some of these outrageous charges. People that didn't have health insurance. The first one is about a 32 year old who had an, a, a pelvic scan at St. Luke's for the cost of $6,442. Then it goes on to talk about a chest x-ray he had done at $4,000. And it goes on to talk about a whole series of other things. At the end of the day, okay, he had a surgical procedure done, and he was charged $51,000 for the surgical procedure. The norm on that procedure would be what, Dan?
1: Uh, It would probably, under Medicare, it would probably be Th- uh, $10,000, maybe $11,000 at the most. Okay. So
0: right out of the gate, you can see what's going on here. This man didn't have health insurance, okay? He, so he paid cash, but he was charged $51,000. Yet the, the standard, the reimbursement but for Medicare is around ten dollars or $11,000, okay? So he's charged 500% more than what Medicare actually pays. That, that's pretty much what this amounts to, okay? They give other examples of this as we go through. Um, in Danville, Kentucky, another gentleman had a heart stent, had a heart attack, and had to have a stent put in. The stent cost was $62,226 at, at, at the medical center, regional medical center in Danville, Kentucky. The reimbursement price to the hospital that they would typically pay an insurance carrier is $17,000. The price they would pay Medicare is $12,445. That is an illustration of what I'm talking about here. And so with that, Dan, I want to get into this whole issue of why is this going on? Why has it been so pervasive? And – what is it going to take to change it? I think transparency is going to help, but let's just talk about it in general at this point.
1: Well, the last time we were here, you know, we talked about some variances just here in Kansas City alone. The average bill charge from one hospital to the next literally three miles apart, we, we we're one hospital charging an average of 800 percent of Medicare, where the other one's charging 200 percent of Medicare. And, and, that, <laughs> and that would be Research Medical Center versus Truman well, Medical well, Center. But, and what's interesting is that's actually occurring all over the United States. I literally have done the same studies in St. Louis and in in uh in denver and um, uh, in Nashville, all across the country, and looking at the differences in the bill charges as an average, payer Compass maintains that sort of data because we pay claims from all over the country and we gather data from lots of different sources, so we pay attention to that you know one of the things that happened in this new this uh, new York uh, times article was they did a really good job because they looked at 1100 different hospitals. You mean the Wall Street Journal. The, I'm sorry, the Wall Street yeah. Journal. New York uh, Times wouldn't do an article no, no, like no, this. No, no, <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I'm sure that's right. You know, but the, I couldn't help but There's I had to get 1166 that in, folks. hospitals here and their average is 3.6 times greater for the uninsured people and, and compared to, you know, what it would be if if we had Medicare, they're they're almost four times higher than Medicare on an average. Okay? So so there's a couple of different reasons that this could be happening, but the bottom line is that there's no control, and and Mary's the resident expert in surprise billing and transparency, so we'll let her address this. But but at at the end of the day, I just recently went to the hospital, and I was there two and a half days, and the bill was $117,000. If I had not had insurance, that's what I would have gotten, a bill for $117,000. Well- I ended up paying that the insurance company paid about $20,000, 22000 The entire surgery was process was about 27000 28000 I still had $4,500 out of pocket. But at the end of the but day. But it
0: wasn't 117000 It was $117,000. Right. So these charge masters that these hospitals put in place are, you have to wonder, it, it's just pure
1: fiction. What's so, going on here? So we have a client um, that's got, uh, he just went in for a heart stint two-and-a-half days in a hospital in Denver, the bill's $431,000. The network discount was 50%. And so the actual paid amount by the carrier was almost $215,000.
0: Okay, we're going to come back after the break with our guests, Dan Malin and Mary Pichu from Pay Your Compass, and continue this fascinating conversation about what we're paying for health care in this country. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI radio network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. My producer, Mr. Sean Floyd. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. In studio with me, Dan Malin from Payer Compass and Mary Pichu uh, from Payer Compass as well, uh, talking to us about ex- – they're, they're the experts, people. OK, and that's why I brought them into studio because this is what they do for a living, OK? And they understand this stuff. You're going to hear from Mary in this segment as we start discussing with her what's going on here. But you, you get it. You see the example. Dan just gave an example of a hospital in Denver charging $431,000 for a stent, And I just read you a piece out of the Wall Street Journal where the hospital in Danville, Kentucky, was charging 51000 How do we get – oh, and by the way, the reimbursable rate for the one in Kentucky was $9,000. What was the reimbursable rate for the one in Denver?
1: Top end be between forty and fifty thousand dollars. Okay,
0: the, the, and this is what I'm talking about, people. This is why I want you to understand the issue here and the issue with the cost of health care in this country. Okay, and and I'll say something else too. As we move toward this move that we're hearing about opening up Medicare to people fifty five and above, watch and see How the providers push back on this, okay? And I'll ask Dan to explain the pricing structure here in a minute. But Mary, let's let's talk a little bit more about this, okay? Here we have this situation in Denver where you get this ridiculous charge of four hundred thirty-one thousand dollars, and what winds up being paid is clearly something significantly different, to say the least. Uh, Talk a little bit about what you see going on here.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, first of all, it's a lack of transparency, which is where these regulations are coming in, is that the hospitals are able to charge what they want to charge, um, and there is no competitiveness because the, the charges are not published or um, there's lack of competition so really with all the transparency and coverage and the no surprises act it's driving both the hospitals and the plans to kind of show their cards and show what are what are the real charges what are the real prices that we should be um, reimbursing the hospital and the provider systems at uh, in, the, in the industry So it's really uh, understanding what is the true cost of the services. Clearly, $431,000 is not the true cost of services. It's egregious. Um, So, you know, it's really driving that competitiveness and bringing it out from transparency where the hospitals have to post their files. The plans have to show what their negotiated rates are. Somewhere between all that, there's a formula that we're going to get to in what they're calling median rates so that we are getting to a more realistic picture of what healthcare care does cost.
0: Okay, so that was important. That's an important piece of information. Expand that a little bit, Dan. So, median, so that was I was going to ask, my next question was going to be, where do you see this all going? So I think Mary just answered that. Let's talk about that.
1: Well, I think, and this is theoretical at this point, but median rates would be some level of average of all, all costs across the universe of, of services, and obviously there will be some some geographic adjustment but at the same time it's it's like the open market when we buy anything else we buy automobiles or or radios or or groceries or whatever i mean there is a going median price for whatever it is that we're acquiring in the marketplace and right now the lack of transparency the lack of transparency in the marketplace doesn't allow for that achievement of, of that uh average median price and Mary's the expert on this. And so, Mary, what do you see in terms of where that median price is going to come in and how is it going to get developed?
2: Um, so what they're really trying to drive out in the transparency and coverage um, regulation is that the hospital systems post their data, the plans post their data. The intent is, or the theory is, is that the, the, these data sets will come together with um, Super smart people or wicked smart people that are going to aggregate all this data together in order to really define what what the real true rates are. Um, and when we talk about median rates, it's in a geographic area. What is the true median rate, not necessarily an average? So in a MSA for a given service, what is the middle rate that should be um, uh, being billed for a, a, a medical services? So that's really what the intent is by having these uh, records published. Now, going further from there is all the tools from a consumer perspective, really having um, tools where a member could actually shop. Like Dan was saying, whether it's for a car or furniture or electronics or appliances, we can go on to consumer reports or we can go on to, um, you know, the Internet and you can Google a particular product. For healthcare, you can't. So one is really getting the data sets so that you could come up with what the prices should be uh, in a geographic area. And then the second is really putting that consumer tool out there so that they can actually shop for their um, medical services. But more importantly, not just from a price perspective, but also quality. The tools have to bring them together because you don't want to necessarily have the cheapest price because then you could put at risk your quality health care You really need to get it um, a balance where you have the providers, the price, and the quality so that the consumers can do just like they do with everything else and not go into it blind paying whatever uh, comes in on the bill in the mail.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, 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 you know, you just mentioned this, Dan, when you started talking about this particular issue. We have price transparency on everything in this country. I mean, you go look at automobiles. Uh, you go on auto trader, you go on boat trader, you go you go up on Zillow for real estate. I don't care where you go, there's price transparency in everything we do, except health care. It's the only place where there isn't price transparency. And so this has been a long time coming. Do you you know, in listening to Mary, I'm optimistic now that, that I'm hearing this because it, it I, I I look at it like this. Some really smart young person up in the Silicon Valley is gonna figure out a way uh, to put an app together like Zillow, okay, or or in real estate or whatever it may be. And you're going to be able to go up on that app, and you're going to be able to look at what's the cost to get a hip replacement um, at, at a hospital in Kansas City, what's the cost to get it in St. Louis, um, what, what what has the best outcome-based ratio. That's another big piece of this, um, meaning you don't go back in the hospital because of reinfection rates or botched surgery. So talk a little bit about that, Dan, as we roll up on the break here in about a minute.
1: Well, at the end of the day, hospital expenses have increased 200 percent since 2000. Wow. Whereas cell phone services have dropped by 40 percent. OK. <laughs> and and cell phone services are are just a comp- one thing that we would look at and we would say, OK, yeah, that's we can go out and buy it. And it, the, the, the good news is they're actually getting cheaper because there's more and more competition. That's what's lacking. And that's what the whole transparency idea is. The government and their surprise billings in the beginning of what they have achieved here have have started the ball rolling in the right direction. We can get deeper into this in the next segment, but at the end of the day, we're driving a process here, and the first thing is to get it on the table. The next thing is to explain it, and then follow is to teach the consumer how to use it. And it'll be a sequential process, but we're headed in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and that's really good to hear because we are headed in the right direction. We've been going in the wrong direction for a very, very long time. And the hospitals have fought this like crazy. Uh, When I come back from the Mm -hmm. break, we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm also going to give you an example of what happens when there's price transparency in a medical procedure called Lasix. And what happened when Lasix became uh, transparent to the cost and how it changed All of LASIK surgery. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We've got more. Stay right where you are. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA radio network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer today, the always perfect Mr. Sean Floyd. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Coming up this segment, we're going to continue this conversation with Dan Malin and Mary Paikush, talking about... This whole price transparency issue, this whole issue with what we pay for health care to the providers. We're talking about the providers here and, and the disparities that are in place now and how that's going to change. OK, and you heard Mary talk about that in the last thing. We're going to talk more about it in this thing. But I want to use an example of something, and this is interesting. Um, when Lasix first came out. To get LASIK surgery, it was between six, depending on where you went, six, six dollars to $10,000. $10, okay? right. mm-hmm. And what's the cost on average today? A couple,
1: three, four hundred bucks if yeah. you find the right guy. Yeah,
0: amazing, isn't Great. it? And, and you know why that is, people? It's because you can go find out what they charge. And you can go online and look it up, and there's the cost. It's right there in front of you. So what happens as a result of that is the prices were driven down Correct. because they had to be competitive. Right. That, and that I'm using that as an example. Mary, talk a little bit about because you gave an example as we were on the break there off air of dental. Talk about how that's actually working because they're ahead of the curve in doing this for dental care now. So talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Uh, you know, especially with all of the healthcare transparency regulations and some of the tools that the regulators want to come out with, what they're terming is advanced EOBs. It's where you're actually understanding what services you're going to receive and you're going to get um, a price back. What is your responsibility? I always look at it that the um, the dental industry had a they're ahead of the curve. Let's put it that way. They, when you go in for your routine cleaning, you know what you're going to pay, you know what your schedule of benefits is uh, from your health plan. And when you have to have major work done, they use that term of predetermination of benefits. So the dentist is really laying out what services they're going to perform They send it into the health plan. They get back what they're going to pay. And the consumer, it's it's right there, and they can make a decision whether they're going to go forward or not, or do they need to shop around. Why we didn't have that in the medical services – I don't know, but that's definitely something that needs to be out there. The Advanced DOB is going to put that transparency for the consumer to say, why am I going to the hospital MRI versus a freestanding and it's thousands of dollars difference? Is there any different quality? No, you're just not paying for the facility charges. So I always look at it that the, denti- the dentist, the dental industry is ahead of the curve. They've kind of gotten it to an even playing field, and that's really where the medical costs
0: need to go is to an even playing field. So, uh, you, you know, I've given this example before, and you and I m- m- missed it off air just a minute ago. If you want to take a look at what it's really going to look like, go look at Oklahoma Surgical so, Center. So,
1: Carrie, here's the deal. I just pulled up on my phone, and, and I'm looking at this. From the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, I've got a, an elbow arthroscopy. And the price is 5350 bucks. okay? Basically, you click on here. And the other thing about the, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, there's a quality factor to what they're oh. doing because they just don't do one. Because of their cash pricing, you walk in the door. It's a turnkey situation. And we've had many, many people that have gone to the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. They don't just do one elbow. They'll do 30, 40, 50, 60, 100, which means they're very, very good at it. And, and the quality outcomes are in the top percentiles. So not only are you getting lower cost and transparency, but you're getting a higher quality outcome. And and if, if the audience would go to Surgery Center of Oklahoma and look and they, they have a knee replacement. We had a good friend of ours that needed a, a hernia operation. And in Charlotte, North Carolina, it was going to cost him $40,000. It cost him $3,700 to have the <laughs> surgery done. And, and he videotaped the whole thing. And, and so it's it's very interesting because they actually put you up in a nice hotel, no deductibles, no co-pays, you pay thirty seven hundred, fifty bucks and you're done. Yeah. Okay. Now, if we're in a self funded insurance plan and I'm an employer and I have a choice between sending my employee to Oklahoma City to have a surgery done for thirty seven hundred dollars, I'll pay for the for the for the airline ticket and his spouse and I'll still be money ahead because if I send him to the hospital in in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm self funded and I have a $50,000 specific stop loss you know so I'm paying the first 50,000 I'm going to pay for all of that and then some yep. okay and the reality is it 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 pays me to put my employee on an airplane from Charlotte, North Carolina, send him to Oklahoma City and have him do the surgery there. So,
0: what's happening, people, in, in, in the health insurance space is the self funded plans are driving this. Right? Absolutely. They're way ahead of the curve. This has been going on for some time. This is what you guys do it's called reference based pricing. pricing. And it makes and this is exactly what we're talking about. This is why Surgical Center of Oklahoma exists is because Let me, let me give this you another example.
1: We just did, I just did an analysis on a, two, two hospitals, competing hospitals in the same community in the state of Missouri. Okay, one's a university hospital, the other one's a regional hospital. The difference in pricing at 165 percent of Medicare versus a 55 percent discount off of bill charges between the university hospital and the regional hospital is almost 30 percent. So on a heart stint, the price inside that regional hospital is going to be somewhere around ninety, eighty to ninety thousand dollars. That same surgery inside the inside the, the the university hospital, which is across the street <laughs> with a Humana or an Aetna or, or a, a standard network discount is going to run around 140000 dollars 150000 dollars Now, if I'm a self-funded insurance plan or a stop loss carrier, all of a sudden I am demanding and getting I'm going to get better pricing if I have reference-based pricing, if I have – I'm going to start to look at what those providers are charging, and I'm going to start encouraging my self-funded employers to seek higher-quality, lower-cost care at an appropriate provider. That's going to drive a lot of activity in the next two to three years. So that's going to work really well for the
0: 100-plus market. That's and, and it'll work for the – 50 and above where they qualify to get into the self-funded market if they have enough premium right. enough foot, But where the people that are getting killed, have been getting killed, are getting killed, continue to get killed, are the small group people.
1: The small group people are always going to have a little bit difficult. And, and the reason it's going to be difficult, because their price reflects the medical conditions within the group. And so if I have a 25 life group and I have somebody that's got renal failure, I'm going to be in a fully insured product and I can't afford to go self-funded because – there's not a stop loss carrier. You, you would pay thousands of dollars per month. But in the larger groups where you can absorb some of those high risk situations, they're going to be able to do a better job managing it. Now, eventually, it will get to the point where the smaller groups are going to start to learn how to manage that, and they'll pool themselves together. There, there's a series of iterations here that will take place over the next three to five years as we drive this process. And Mary can speak to this because we're right at the beginning of it, and we're starting to see how this is going to work. But the actual implementation is going to take a while. Mary, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I totally agree. The reason I'm here in St. Petersburg, Florida, is that's where our member advocacy operations team is. And that's what we do day in and day out. We have patient advocates that are working with the self-funded plans really to help them understand when we are working with the provider to understand the pricing. We work with CFOs of different self-funded plans in order to give them data points to make good decisions and to help um, really educate their employees as well as to make good decisions. We just had a case like that, just like Dan said, Somebody that was out on the upper northeast where they wanted to go in for what would be considered a fairly basic uh, procedure was a um, five-digit estimate from a hospital, whereas if we sent them to the Oklahoma Surgeon Center, it was like $3,700. It was a ridiculous, disparaging amount, and just like Dan said, you could – bring the spouse or a guest, put them up at the Ritz-Carlton, and you wouldn't even come near $50,000, and you would have had the surgery with a good outcome. So we are working from an advocacy perspective at Pear Compass with this team, educating and working with the self-funded team members or CFOs in order to understand their stop-loss carrier, educate their members, and get them to the right care.
0: And let me explain something to you folks and boil this down so everybody gets this. What they're really saying here at the end of the day is by doing it this way, you're reducing the cost of health care sometimes as much as 30 or 40 percent over what they're currently paying if they're on one of the BUCA plans or uh, or the other large carrier plans. So, having said that, this is a different model and it works. And that's, as Dan said, they're leading the charge on making this happen. And I predict that you're going to see more Oklahoma surgical centers and you're going to see more facilities that are doing exactly what they're doing. Because competition is going to force. There's Go actually there's actually
1: more of those surgery centers popping up all the time. <clears> At <throat> the next segment, we talk about that.
0: Yeah, we will when we come back. When we come back to the break. We're also going to talk about surprise billing, and Mary's an expert on this. And I want you to understand this because it's been a real problem for a very long time, and people are getting gouged. It's ridiculous what's been going on. That's also part of the legacy of what President Trump put in place, and what President Biden is following through on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break with more. You're listening to America's Health care advocate broadcasting here on the hia radio network coast to coast across the usa if you need help with this or you want to talk to dan mail and you can go to the website payyourcompass.com all their information is up there they'd be happy to chat with you if you're an employer or a broker or whatever and you're looking for help stay tuned we'll be right back after the break with more here on america's healthcare advocate oh, me darling. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the Fruited Plain here in the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer, Mr. Sean Floyd. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. In studio, Dan Malin, joining us from Florida, Mary Pichus, uh, talking to us uh, again about this whole issue with price transparency, what hospitals charge, what the alternatives are. What's going to happen as this reg goes in place on January 1st? It's going to make a big difference, a big difference. There's another piece of this, though, and Mary's an expert on this, which is one of the reasons why we wanted her to join us today, surprise billing. So let's start with Mary. Can you explain surprise billing, and then we'll get into how that's going to change January 1st?
2: Sure. Uh, Surprise billing is when uh, a medical consumer goes into – perhaps a facility to have a surgery or even has an emergency occurrence and they have to go to the emergency room. They're trying to make a good choice, go to where their health plan says they should go, maybe an in-network facility. Um, Perhaps they're during that course of care, they're getting anesthesia, they're getting um, lab work or uh, x-rays. And so they go in with good faith that they're going to go to their in-network hospital and then all of a sudden, they're getting bills for a radiology company uh, or a pathology company or uh, a doctor that came and visited them in the hospital. And these these providers are not in network. So now they're getting charged or billing at a different rate than what was expected. The uh, benefit differential is usually lower for out-of-network services, and therefore, that that charge the surprise bill because a medical consumer doesn't always know what goes into the course of care when they go into the hospital nor do they get a chance to pick who they're going to have do their blood draw or their uh, x-rays so what ends up happening is you get out of the hospital you think, oh, I did a good job, I went to the facility that was in network. I followed the rules of my health plan, and then you're getting mail from a radiology company, you're getting something from an anesthesiologist, a doctor, and you're like, who are these people and why am I responsible for them at a higher rate than what I thought I did my homework on to go to the hospital? That's what a surprise bill is their services that you need when you're getting your course of care, but you really can't control who they are with all the time. It basically falls on the patient or the consumer in order to figure out now how do I how do I resolve these bills. So Um, really those are the surprise bills that come up during the course of
0: care. So what happens here, people, if you're wondering how does that happen? How does a doctor who's not a hospital doctor in network wind up working in an ER? They're contract doctors. So what happens is they're a contract doctor, so the hospital says, well, we're not responsible for this. He's a contract doctor. You don't know that. When you're in the ER getting taken care of because you broke an elbow or you you had a fall or you did something else, but what winds up happening is you get the bill then. And I've gone around and around with hospitals on this. In most cases, if you argue it enough – They wind up taking it back and dealing with it. Or, you know, in in the past, I've threatened to take it to various state and government facilities, uh, oversight facilities, and have them get involved. And then the hospitals back off. But this is a common occurrence, especially in ERs, especially with anesthesia. These are the two where we see the most of this, Dan.
1: Yeah. Well, the No Surprises Act <clears throat> really has a series of milestones and benchmarks, and Mary's right in the middle of working on this, so I'm going to ask her to elaborate on it. But but at the end of the day, there's there's milestones now and requirements through the No Surprises Act that's that's planned to deal with this. And one of the – there's all kinds of provisions within this act that are going to take place over the next several years, and, and Pair Compass is actively working on resolving some of those. So I'm going to ask Mary if she would just kind of walk through – what the step-by-step process is and what happens with the no surprises act as it comes online mary
2: yeah sure i think there's four major topics there's probably more if you dig under the covers but i i would categorize them in four different uh categories one is emergency services we just talked about the scenario where you go into the hospital uh, or an er um, you break something you just go in Or you're having you know a crisis you go into the emergency services what the no surprises act is really putting on um, in protection for the medical consumer is here when you go in you have to be uh, reimbursing those um, providers at an in network rate especially if it's an emergency service You can't uh, leave it up to the consumer to worry about that, you know, if they had to have x-rays, are they in-network? If it's considered an emergency service based on a prudent layperson's definition, not a diagnosis code, you have to allow those services to be um, reimbursed at an in-network rate. That starts to remove or reduce the no surprises, or I'm sorry, the balance bill or surprise bills. So that's one thing, and that's really focusing on, Uh, emergency services, and post-stabilization services. Price transparency, we talked about that in the earlier segments where folks can actually be consumers. Uh, You get to a median rate and folks are getting to an even playing field. And then the last piece would be the advanced DOB, really giving folks um, clarity and transparency into what their medical services might um, actually cost them and give them an opportunity to sh- shop for quality and more economical services for medical services.
0: So we're about to wrap this up here, Dan. But, you know, I, 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 first of all, thank you both to you and Mary for doing this and taking time to come in. But I have to say that I'm optimistic and I'm very hopeful that this is going to really change the way we pay for health care in this country. And at the end of the day, lower cost and force better outcomes when there's total transparency. Your thought as we wrap up here?
1: You know, this this process is change, And, and change is always difficult. We have the disruptors who are driving this. We have the doubters who know that it's broken, and then we have the protectors that don't want to change it. And so we have the disruptors, the doubters, and the protectors. And right now you can see the protectors are standing up and going, wait a minute, this is a problem. But at the end of the day, the disruptors are starting to gain traction, And what you're seeing with – and the good news is the regulations are starting to head in that direction. The implementation of this is going to be a problem or is going to be – take time. But I'm excited about the opportunity, and I think it's a great change and a great legacy. So at the end of the day, folks, what I'm telling you is this is good
0: news. And it's good news for the consumer. It's good news for everybody because it will make a significant difference over a period of time. Thank you all for listening today, and thank you both, Dan and Mary, again for coming in. And now I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. <music>